compare. Ooh. To examine in order to note similarities and differences. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Hey folks, it's KJ Bell, and welcome to the first episode of Another Way in a Long Time. It's been a while. It's been a couple weeks. It's been a couple... Has it... It's been at least three? I don't know. I don't know how long it's been. It's been a while. It's been too long. I've been... I've been... It's... it's I know I say this all the time, but it's been kind of crazy. <sighs> Finally moved the rest of my stuff out from Colorado, except for one load of clothes I left in the dryer. So, yeah, that's a thing. And uh, I was so excited because I was like, I got my mic stand. I'll be able to do the podcast without having to hold the microphone and like switch it back and forth between hands and be careful about like bumping it and like making noises like like this. <laughs> because it'll be in the stand and I won't have to worry about that. Well, the stand is right here. I don't know where the hell the thing that attaches the mic to the stand is right now, because um, it's it's somewhere, somewhere in this apartment. But I I don't know. <sighs> I never want to move ever again because I forget about unpacking. Like you think that packing is the worst part, and then you realize you have to unpack. And like with packing, at least you just throw everything in the boxes. But with unpacking, you have to like figure out where it goes. So that's where I am right now. I'm trying to figure out where it all goes. But anyway. <laughs> Tonight we're talking about comparisons. You know, c comparing ourselves to other people can be a sort of double-edged sword. You know, I always heard this thing. Um, I had a professor in college who told us to find people who were doing what we wanted to do and then use their career to sort of guide what we do. And it's it's advice that I've heard in various forms um, quite a bit over the years. And um, I think it's... I think it's fine if you can manage to find such a person. My problem is that I have never seen anybody who does all of the things that I want to do. I see people doing those things, but I don't know... I've never seen one person doing all of them, which just reinforces sort of the um, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none thing that I get I get um, thrown at me all the time and makes me uh, kind of discouraged. Like, is this actually going to work when I know that on in some way, shape, or form it's going to? I, I just, I know it. And um, so I think that that whole finding someone who's doing what you want to do I don't think it should be taken literally. I think there is a temptation to be like, okay, I have to find that person and I have to take those steps. But if you listen to interviews with people of like how they got to where they are, there's a lot of luck involved. You always hear that. And you all, you hear that it's just weird circumstances that you cannot possibly um, recreate often, you know? And sometimes it is like, well, I went and I did this for this many years, and that's something that you can do too, and I just worked hard. Um, so there's that aspect of it. And I, th I think really you should just kind of see that as sort of an inspiration thing. And if you take 
that sort of idea literally, I think that can be very dangerous because if you if you hear those interviews and you're like, well, there's no way I'm going to have that happen to me, that can be very discouraging. Whereas you might have something completely different in the details, but that works in the same sort of way. So I think you have to find those people and kind of interpret it into your own uh, story. And, you know, it's where you're... The comparing that really gets us into trouble is that thing that we do where we, well, why do they have that and I don't? That's where we really run into the issues because it starts us on a, on a spiral. And, um, you know, it, it, it's an easy thing to do. You know, just this week I, I had an audition for a choir I, I wanted to join here in L.A. And I won't tell you what choir it is, but I went in. And um, I thought the audition went pretty well. There were some things that didn't go. There were aspects of it that weren't like the best I have ever done or could do, but they weren't bad. And then I got a call that I didn't make it. And I know, like, this is this is not arrogance talking. It's, there's a little bit of arrogance here. But I know that I am more qualified than a lot of the members that they have right now. And it's one of the it's it's one of those things where it immediately brings up a lot of self doubt in me and I start comparing myself like Okay, well, maybe I just didn't do this and maybe I it's maybe those people and blah blah blah. And it it start it's a very it's a very dangerous road to go down. So I think that when you're doing comparison, you you have to take the intention. Intention of the comparison is incredibly important because we don't, you can't live in a vacuum. You know, no man is an island or whatever. Um, so there has to be, there have to be times when you compare yourself. And there are times where you're going to compare yourself when you don't want to. It's not something that you can just not do. It's a great idea not comparing yourself at all ever but it's just not feasible so you have to think about the intention you know whether you're comparing your you're comparing yourself and your own stuff or you're comparing yourself to other people you know there's a difference between comparing the work and comparing your your you as a person you know and it's it's so it's that sort of separation of the professional and the personal that can be really difficult to do, especially as an artist or as a creative person, where there is so much of you in the work that you may be doing. And you know, I, I so there's the comparing to other people, but then I have this problem of comparing myself my current self with the ideal self in my head. And there's a difference in between there um, because I'm always behind where that ideal self is. Pay no attention to the cat behind the curtain. Okay. So yeah, there's, there's where I am right now. And then there's the ideal self of like where I wanted to be. And like, like today I wanted to have the podcast done this morning, but it is currently um, 10.58 p.m., and I'm recording the podcast, and I was going to have the podcast up, and I was going to have it recorded, and I was going to get eight hours worth of writing done today, 
and uh, that didn't happen. And it's very easy for me to sort of berate myself when I have those days, which are most days, because like I said, I'm always behind. I'm just, I just have to accept that I'm always behind of where that ideal self is. You know, I'm never going to quite get where I think I should be, you know, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think the key there is to, like I said, keep the intention with it. Like if I berate myself through this difference of the self-comparison, then it becomes detrimental. But if I use it as a tool and think, okay, well, here's where I, here's the difference between present me and ideal me right now. How can I work tomorrow to narrow that difference down in a good way and kind of use it as a strategy? You know? I, and I think that's a good sort of self-comparison. And, um... Ugh. Sorry, I'm 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 working around the cat. If you hear purring, hang on. Let's. Can you hear this? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I had to put him in my lap to um, keep him from yowling in the background. And now he's trying to chew the cord. <sighs> I hear you. I hear you, KJ. Why don't you just put him in the bedroom? Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Except he'll scratch at the door and yowl that way. So I can't win. I just can't win. Hi. Um, anyway, where was I? Comparing the self. Self-comparison, blah, blah, blah. Um, I also find that, you know, comparing the work can often be a good thing. Like, I, I found... I'm, recent, I'm working on trying to archive a bunch of old writing that I did, and I'm finding it difficult because, you know, I'm looking through these old drafts of, like, novels I started when I was a teenager. And it's like, this is so bad. It's so bad. There's a really good idea here, but it's so bad. <laughs> and it's like, my initial uh, reaction is to, my tendency is to go very negative with it and think, oh my god, I was terrible. But I think it's a much better idea to go... Look how far I've come. And I so I think that that's a good thing to do. You know, that's a good self-comparison sort of thing to do. Um, I think we're going to take a, a tiny little break. Just a tiny little break. And uh, then we'll come back and talk about some more comparison sort of stuffs. Okay? This podcast is brought to you by... Horizon Creative Studios. Studio. I always do that. It's the home of another way. It's on the web. It's my website where I uh, post lots of stuff. You know, hopefully, theoretically. Um, you can find stuff on there. You can find old podcast episodes. You can find the videos for the YouTube series that you can subscribe to. And you can find blogs on both um, my music stuff and Another Way stuff. Po First Another Way post is coming this week. It's the beginning where I will go more into detail on things that I discuss in the beginning episode of the podcast. So that's on the web at horizoncreativestudio.com. 
podcast is also brought to you by Great Grand Projects, a creative collective of creative people on the web at greatgrandprojects.com. Stay tuned to that for some cool stuff coming from my writing partner, Rob. Hopefully later this week. I don't know. I haven't talked to him, but that's the plan. And so now back to our regularly scheduled program with Capers. Can you hear that? This is this is this is Jack I've got in my lap. So we're back with the cat in the lap. Cat in the hat, cat in the lap. Don't all podcasters do their podcast with a cat in their lap? They should. <laughs> Juggling the cords that he's chewing on. He Okay, so I normally record this with headphones on so I can hear the voice and everything and make sure everything's going well. Except I don't currently have a pair of headphones because I heard this weird chewing noise on the couch the other night and look over and the edge of my headphone cord had come out of my bag when I had pulled out my computer charger. Destroyed. Like just in multiple places he had chewed through it. Just destroyed. Like, you know how sometimes if if an animal chews on, on cords like that, like there's still the wire and it's like, oh, we'll just wrap it in some insulated tape. And no, no, no chance. No recovery. Dead. I don't know why this image comes to mind, but it's like when my grandmother used to kill snakes with a shovel, just chopping. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> that was weird. Okay. <laughs> Getting back on track here. So... We're talking about comparison this episode, and if you um, are like me, you love TED Talks. And I've talked about several TED Talks on here before, and it is through a TED Talk that I discovered Brene Brown, who is a uh, researcher out of the University of Houston, I believe. She has written several books. Her big thing is uh, she's a social worker who researches shame and vulnerability and things like that. She has two of the most watched TED Talks ever on shame and vulnerability. And so I've done a lot of, uh, I've read her books and I've, I've, I'm working on a lot of her stuff for the podcast right now because I think it's, it's very pertinent. But part of the reason that I, the, the idea for this episode initially was on one of my trips between here and LA, I listened to her on a podcast. It's a, it's a very good podcast. It's On Being with Krista Tippett, who is another wonderful, uh, her, her book, on uh, or Becoming Wise, I think is what it's called. That's a very good book, too. Um, maybe I'll put a link to that episode in this description, if I think about it. But it was a conversation between these two ladies. And uh, at one point, Brene Brown, on this uh, podcast, On Being said some stuff about creativity that I thought was very pertinent. First of all, she said that creativity is not correlated at all with perfectionism. And so that, you know, that links directly to that whole self-comparison thing I was talking about with the distance between current me and ideal me. Because that ideal me is my perfectionist tendencies coming out. You know, we'll be here, here, and here, and then in, and then it'll happen, and we'll get all of this done, and it'll be perfect. And then it's like, oh, no, that's not how that happens. And so it's like I said, if I if I focus on that in a negative way, it, it kills my spirit and my creativity. And uh, 
you know, she talks, Brene Brown talks a lot about, you know, shame and triggering of shame. And one thing she said in here was that comparison is the primary shame trigger for creativity. You know, shame just kills creativity. And if you think about the journey of a lot of blocked creative people, you hear stories of like the kid loved to draw and then a relative said something about like, oh, why are you drawing that's gay? And then the kid never drew again. You know, it's that sort of a thing. Because that's that's a very shameful sort of idea. And one thing that she talks about, this, this I had, I was driving in the car and I think my mother was with me and I had, I said, mom, grab that notebook, write this down. <laughs> and it, she said that there is a lot of research into a thing called the creative slump which is a a thing that happens around the fourth or fifth grade that researchers have identified with kids where they start comparing themselves to others. And this, the example that she used was like her daughter would, was like in the first grade, her daughter was drawing like purple horses with four heads. And then her daughter stopped drawing because, you know, Johnny in her class, his horses looked real and she wasn't as good at drawing as Johnny was. Is a, is the sort of idea, and um, yeah, it happens around fourth or fifth grade. And when I heard that, I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's I I see that I see that." And it's you know you know when you remember something that you'd forgotten, <laughs> that's that's wise, isn't it? You remember when you you know when you remember something that you forgot, oi. Oh God. Okay. Um, but you, you, you know what I mean. Um, I used to love to draw when I was little and I forgot how much I loved the idea of it. And I, and I remember I always wanted to draw and I thought I was, it was right around that time, that fourth or fifth grade time that I kind of stopped even trying to draw because I wasn't, I didn't think I was good at it. And uh, I think that happens to a lot of people. You know, we, we look around us and we're comparing ourselves. And that's I think that that fourth or fifth grade, so that's like when you're 10-ish, is right around the time that you kind of start waking up to the rest of the world. You know, you start seeing difference around you, for good and for bad. You know, you start seeing that your point of view is not the only one. And I think in a lot of ways that can be a very good time of life and a very eye-opening and very expansive time. But then you have things like this creative slump idea where it kind of brings in a lot of stuff that shuts us down. I'm having one of those moments where I'm trying to decide how real to get. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll go into it a little bit. So... I've mentioned on the podcast a few times that, that I'm working on this book. I'm I'm writing a memoir. And um, it's all about the period between me being that super creative little eight-year-old who loved to draw and who loved to write. Like when, when I was eight, there was nothing I wanted more in the, in the world than to be an author. 
because I got that top author award in my third grade class for some sort of little story I'd written, and I just loved that word next to my name, and that's all I ever wanted. And I loved music, and I loved all of that stuff. And then, you know, flash forward um, almost a decade, and I was unhappy, and I was teaching, and I didn't really want to be teaching even though I love teaching and I was in this very like kind of lost and dark place. And then I had an epiphany one night that, you know, it's okay to do those things that you wanted to do when you were eight. It's okay to try to do those things. And so the memoir is sort of how I, you know, how I made my way back at the age of 25 to that eight year old. And when I started writing the book, it was very much like, this was my my thought process was very much oh there's not one moment there's not a moment i can point to and go that's the moment that i everything turned and i stopped being me and stopped being creative and started hiding myself away there's not a single moment turns out there was a moment <laughs> that i had forgotten about kind of um and it was a moment that i remembered a couple of years ago i'm not going to tell you what it was deep tease um you'll have to buy the book whenever it comes out if it ever comes, if I get it finished. Um, And uh, it was a lot of little moments building up, but there was that one moment that kind of slammed it shut. And it was sort of a comparison sort of situation where I realized that I was not the same as the kids around me. And that really shut it down. And it was like, okay, stop all this. And this was not even close to a conscious decision, mind you. But it was very much, shut all this down, stop this, and just try to blend in and be normal. And it's why to this day I talk about how much I hate the word normal. And it's, um, I'm not going to lie to you, it's very hard to go back and relive those sort of moments. It's, it's, um I feel like I'm I'm ripping myself open in so many ways when I write this book and uh it's unexpected you know you you hear that writing a book is hard and then you actually start doing it and you don't realize how hard especially especially when it's something that gets so personal but you know it's it's I have to do it and it's the entire reason that I'm starting this podcast and doing and doing this whole deal is that I don't want other people to go through what I've what I went through in that sense of my life, you know. And it's also the reason that I <laughs> that I haven't been as consistent with the podcast and with the other aspects of it that I want to do because I'm terrified of it. I'm terrified of this, I'm terrified of anybody hearing this, and there's still a part of me that's closest to that moment where everything changed that just wants to blend into the background and doesn't want to have anybody notice me. And it's all a sort of comparison thing that I'm doing here. And it's very easy to fall into the trap of comparing myself. Like, so that we've talked about whole, how the whole idea of you can compare yourself and it can be a negative thing. Now I can use that as a self-destructive tool. 
I have I have come to the realization that I will often find people to compare myself to to discourage myself from doing things. You know, it's it's a very sort of um, double agent in your own mind sort of game that you have to watch out for. And um, so that that uh, I guess we, it's not really a tangent, but coming back to that idea of the creativity slump and the drawing the real horses, draw, real quote unquote, um, versus drawing your four headed purple horses that are just fun. It connects to the ideas that I that I've talked about on other episodes of this podcast, like the Imagine episode and the Improvise episode. So you can go back and listen to those if you haven't already. And there's another, there's one more thing that I love that Brene says in this interview with uh, on the On Being podcast is it's that we can't really embrace rest and play if our self is tied to what we produce. So you know that gets into that whole separation of your work from yourself idea. And actually that is the next episode is an, is an, is a episode on separation. But what do we do about the comparison thing right now? What, what are some strategies we can use to deal with the comparison in our lives, whether it's that internal self comparison of between your ideal self and your current self, or, you know, comparing yourself with others. I think the first thing is just to notice when you're doing it. And I know that for a lot of people that that is that's that's not a satisfactory answer, <laughs> but that really is the first step. It's it's that whole the first step is admitting that you have a problem. First, you have to kind of notice when you're doing it. Notice why why you're doing it. Are you comparing yourself to try and learn to lift yourself up and learn something? You know, like oh, this is how this person is is doing it. So this is what I can learn from that. Like, I do this thing, I've been doing this thing recently where I've been looking at works of famous composers and copying out some of the parts and comparing it to my own uh, music writing. Not in a, like, oh, I'll never be as good as Beethoven, but, like, what what is it about the this thing that makes it so good? You know, like, if I... And maybe it's misguided, Maybe it is, you know, like if maybe if I look, it's maybe it's a misguided attempt to think that, oh, the black dots will give me the secret to why Beethoven, the second movement of Beethoven's seventh symphony is so wonderful when there's it probably won't. But it's just an idea. You know, I'm comparing how I write for things versus how other people write in an attempt to learn to write better. And I'm especially doing it for instruments that I don't play. Because that's the thing. It's like, how do you write? How do you write for a flute? Uh, <laughs> you uh, you text your best friend at one o'clock in the morning when you're writing a flute line and say, "Does this work?" And she texts you back and is like, "I don't know. I have to see it." Uh, anyway, <laughs> so what is the purpose of your comparing? Are you trying to do something productive, or is it just an attempt to sort of tear yourself down? And keep that intention in mind. You know, if you if you feel the comparison starting to slip into a negative area, if it starts with, I just want to look and see how Picasso, you know, what, what are his brush strokes like? If you look and then you look at it, and then if that starts to go into a, I will never be able to do that sort of area, then you got to, you got to back that up, girl. You got to put that in reverse. 
and back that up because maybe you won't, maybe you will. But if you ha- if you go down that sort of negative spiral, there's no chance of you ever doing those brushstrokes that way, you know? So keep your intention in mind. And this is, it's it's that whole, I'm telling you that notice when you're doing it thing is the biggest part of this because that will help bring you some awareness into the, into the deal. And keep yourself, your personal self, separate from your work as much as possible. Compare your work to other people's work all day long. But the second that that goes into a sort of me, that's when you're in trouble. And that's what next week is going to be all about, is keeping it professional. You know, because I just snapped, I read this thing the other day. Do you know that the sound of a snap is actually from your finger hitting your palm and not from the fingers rubbing together themselves? That screwed my mind up. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, duh. Once you you hear that, it's like, of course it is. (laughs) Um, So that's compare. That's the first episode back after a while. I don't know how effective that was. Um, So, you know, like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast in the places. You can follow me on the Twitter and the Instagram at that KJ Bell. And you should do that because because I, I usually tweet out when I put up a new episode, when I put up a new blog post, when I put up a new whatever I'm working on. Um, So if you want to keep track of me. I'm I'm trying this thing. Okay, so I'm trying to, you know, I hate when people say this, expand the brand. <laughs> I'm trying to do that as much as possible. So I'm trying to tweet every day, and I try to make it something sort of funny. You know, I try to n- stay away from the, look at this thing. It's a nice thing as much as I can. I try to, hey, look at this thing. If you do, like, you won't get diarrhea today. I don't know why that came to mind, but it did. So I'm going to stop blabbing now. And um, yeah, so it's okay to be an artist. It's okay to create. It is okay to be exactly as you are right now. It's okay. You are okay. And I am okay. <laughs>